Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you're listening to. Right now. With your hosts, Jess and Alex. That's Jess. And that is Alex over there. Coming to you on this finally almost spring weather day, we hope. Yes, like, I mean, it's only supposed to get nicer. So if people are listening to this now, it's probably even a nicer day. One can hope. Yeah. Yeah, and I was telling you before, it's automatically putting me in a better headspace. <laughs> oh, for sure. Even though like I'm still in my like dungeon basement office, there's still I mean, like I still have a window. I'm in my dungeon closet, so. <laughs> but you just know. I just know it's out there yeah, waiting for me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something, which I was I like, should, I'm gonna I, wait. I, Thought I was going to say something too, and then I was just like, I've been doing that a lot lately. Where I'll just be like, yeah, so, and then just nothing. <laughs> I did it to TJ four times in a row yesterday. I was like, okay, and then I took a bite. Okay, and then I took another bite. Okay, then I took a sip. And then I was like, fourth time, like, okay, I'll actually do it for the. Okay, and then I actually started my story, but. I mean, we've all forgotten. We've all forgotten how to. Social. Yeah. Um, me and TJ all started a two-man book club, which is interesting. Oh, I mean, actually, I think that's the better way to do it personally because it absolutely is because just accountability. Two- exactly. Like I'm reading Ender's Game right now. That was his first pick. Okay. Uh, I'd never read it before. I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's also like the f- okay. That's a lot. I was gonna say it's the first book I've opened all year, but I. It's not. I've read a couple. I've like opened a couple other ones, but this is probably the first one I'm going to finish this year. I mean, that's fair. Lisa and I talked about starting one, like starting to read books together, but it yeah. never got off the ground. And she's my roommate. So that shows you how reliable we both are. I think the only reason we got this going is because I owned the book that he wanted to read. Mm-hmm. I owned it, but never have read it. I like don't remember because yeah. it's also like a copy I got from someone. It may have been from Cousin Jerry, friend of the show. Ooh, because a couple of the books I have on my bookshelf are from him. Like he just like, I don't want these anymore. Do you want them? I'm like, absolutely. Perfect. But I already had it. So I just started reading it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I'm excited. Oh, sorry. Are, oh, no. I was just gonna say that's great. Yeah. I'm excited. Cause, like, I think how we're going to do it is he picks a book. I pick a book. Yeah, I think that you got to do it that way. Yeah. So I picked Good Omens as my first book. Have you read that one? I haven't, but I've heard the TV show is good. (laughs) I've watched the first. I didn't finish the TV show. I was enjoying it, but just kind of like it's not one I feel like I could binge. Oh, interesting. That's good to know. It's been on my like. I mean, maybe you could, but like, I just feel like I've gotten really bad about like not being able to binge TV shows anymore. Oh, I'm a pro. I'm a pro binger. Uh, Yep. (laughs) No, I mean, I was thinking about it and like, because me and we were talking about this the other night and how like, it always seems like so much more work to watch a movie because it's longer Uh than like a TV episode usually, but it's a self-contained story. You might commit to those hours to watch that movie, but by the, when those two hours are over, you're done, you know, as we're a series I don't want to have to watch 22 episodes just to get the full story. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I think it matters in the type of TV show, too, to a certain degree. Because some on film you don't have to invest as much in. Yeah, like I was watching Bob's Burgers for a little bit. I'd like pop in every once in a while. Yeah, that one you can go in and out. Like, yeah, there's some, you know, continuity from episode to episode, but not so much that like, I mean, they're individual episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certain ones like that, too. But that's funny because I watched a movie that I wish was a TV series the other night. Oh, what movie? Uh, it's called, I think it's called Kid 90. It's on Hulu. I think I've and heard of it, but I don't couldn't tell you anything about it. I think you would recognize a few of the people, but not a lot of them. Uh, okay. For my age bracket, though, it is a weird time capsule to watch. But but the reason I bring it up is because even beyond that, it brings up a, like a lot of 
kind of interesting things. And I think some of them could have been explored a little deeper. So basically it was, do you know who Silly Moonfry is? Yes. So she, uh, you know, she was Punky Brewster way back in the day. And she knew all these other basically like child teenage actors and actresses. Was she in Charmed too or no? Because I know she was she was um, one of Sabrina's friends in the later seasons of Sabrina. Yeah. She was like the like moody alt girl roommate in the college years. Yeah. Yeah. But so I was definitely a Punky Brewster fan. Could not tell you a single storyline, but I remember knowing Punky Bru- the words Punky Brewster and loving it. Yeah. And so I've always like loved her. She's also like very, I don't know. She seems kind of like so much like it seems, and I don't know, like she thinks kind of like spiritually and stuff like that. Yeah. So she's always seemed cool or whatever, but she took her video camera basically with her everywhere as a, a child and a teenager videotaped tons of footage of her friends kept really like intricate journals uh-huh. all about like all of her experiences and so she made a documentary oh interesting about like all these child actors well i guess like mostly teenage actors from like the yeah. 90s and then she interviewed some as adults right now like david arquette's in it mark paul gossler brian austin green there's some others too i can't remember but like she interviewed a couple of them kind of looking back at some footage with them and it's really interesting too because she also notes kind of the the things that child actors go through that like nobody really thinks about or people think yeah. about but not as much. Right. She goes through like how many of her friends have committed suicide for one example, which is just oh damn. I, was, I wasn't expecting to be bawling my eyes out at the Kid Ninety movie, but I was like in the middle of it, bawling, like bawling my eyes yeah. out. But it was it was interesting because she brought up that. She also like talks a little bit about like memories, how we actually remember things versus like what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like all these interesting concepts that I actually wish, again, was more of a series because I think it could have gone even deeper. And it seemed like she had like unlimited resources as far as the footage that she had and the journals that she had. And yeah, and it goes into a couple other kind of deep ta- topics. And then some of it is fun. But very weird and interesting that sounds like it. i'm definitely gonna have to add it to my list mm-hmm. have we talked about are you a journaler do you journal um i did when i was like really young for a while but it would be like off and on yeah now i don't really i don't journal i do gratitude journal um i try to every morning it goes like two weeks on and then I forget for like six days and then I start again and you know, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So I mostly try to do it from that angle anymore. I am off and on too. And I haven't in a long time. And I kind of like thinking back, I wish I kind of would have been journaling a bit harder during this pandemic just to kind of like really document what I was like, you know, document what it Mm -hmm. was like for me. So that way, I mean, obviously it's not anything I'm going to forget anytime soon because a, it's still happening and B like, yeah, it's one of those twelve once in a lifetime events that people our age have already gone through. <laughs> yep, uh, definitely. And I mean, we, it's also really interesting now because we are in the age of content too. So in yeah. a way, like a lot of it is documented. But yeah, yeah. to have a first person perspective for yourself, yeah, just like see what I was feeling and going through. You can think that'd oh, be yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean. I sometimes even look back at my gratitude journal because once in a while I do other like exercises in there. I yeah. Guess. Uh, and it's funny to see how and I, I've been getting more into that in the past year. Yeah. And I have gone back and looked at things and I'm like, oh, I was uh, I was feeling some feelings uh, apparently oh, that yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, I don't look I don't read my journals very often, but every once in a while I dip my toes in and be like, oh, you had a lot of feelings, huh? You were you were going through it. Uh, that's how I feel whenever I find an old poetry document hidden deep in the oh, recesses yeah. of my computer somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them, and I'm like, oh, mo- mm. oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that game. I know that one. Here we go. For some reason, I thought that was my thing. <laughs> I, you know, it It doesn't have to be your th- I like, I support anyone trying it, because, like, I, like, I, I think just any kind of, like, way of expressing yourself, even oh, if it's yeah. not your thing, give it a go. Well, no, I mean, it was therapy. You got to find, right. And th- it was a form of therapy at the time. I got my thoughts out as overly dramatic yeah. as they were onto that paper with all those teenage hormones racing through my blood. And oh, yeah. uh, 
now I look back at them and just chuckle. Yeah. Like Girl, you don't know. <laughs> right. I think I can't remember where I was like some I think it was just like some YouTube video I was watching with like Bob the Drag Queen and like it was like Bob the Drag Queen and Shangela, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you know either of them. They're I know Bob the well, Drag Queen. I follow Okay. Um it was all no, it was all three of the ones that are on the HBO show were here, which I haven't watched yet. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the one it, it came out like right at the pandemic or something like that, right? Is that the one where they go in the small towns? And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was all three of those girls talking, I think, and they were t- kind of like, or it was either them or Trixie or Katya. I've gotten my drag queen groups confused, but <laughs> they were talking about if you don't look back at stuff you did in the past and don't cringe a little bit, you probably haven't grown enough since then or like kind of like, you know. That's so true. Yeah, it was like one something, day, right? As I say, one day we'll cringe at these episodes. <laughs> Oh, I didn't. Just kidding. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> probably not like the whole thing, but just like, I'm sure there's things we said or bits, you know, that were like, ah, oh, that was a choice. Oh, for sure. I mean, I when, even when I'm editing, sometimes I'm like, but why? <laughs> uh, yeah, why did I? Uh, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Um, Just like listening to, because like sometimes like it'll be a minute before I go back and listen to some of the older episodes yeah. and I'll go back and listen. And I'm like, I said that I sure did. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, it not often. It's never anything bad. It's just kind of like, OK, bitch, I see you. I Well, again, look, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like everybody's always changing. Yeah. And that's just part of life. And that that's a good thing. So, yeah. Let's just keep on that trajectory. Right. Oh, yeah. So change is good in the end. Yes. That we we support change. We stand change. We, we totally stand. Love that for everyone. Oh, uh, yeah. You sipping on anything fun over there? Oh, sorry. I was just about to ask you that. No, I was going to ask you the same thing. Um, um, I, oh, go ahead. You first. No, you first. I mean, I've been first too often. Mine's just water. I like thought about making a drink, but then I was like, eh. Mine is not a, mine is a weird drink. It's just, a, um, I haven't been drinking as much coffee lately, which I, I like coffee, but I like it for the taste. It doesn't really wake me up that well. So, but I've been drinking, um, dandelion root. Okay. There's, you I don't know. I bought this stuff and it kind of, it pretty much tastes like coffee in, in drinks. Interesting. And so this has like dandelion root and oh, then, Oh no, I oh, did. There you go. There you go. Okay. Just a, just and, a blip. And then, um, chai tea, some chai tea. Love chai tea. Mm-hmm. Oat milk. And then I did put one scoop of protein powder in. <laughs> Cause uh-huh. I was just like, I probably could use some protein right now. Sure. And, yeah, so it's made sort of coffee drink that has no coffee in it whatsoever. Interesting. Yes. Um, that reminded me, I got like a new pack of seltzers. I might go grab one just for an on-air reaction because the flavor is spicy pineapple. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to grab one. Is it okay? Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll go grab want... one of my cores then. Okay, yeah. Because we'll I'm take done a quick with this. Break. Okay, I'm just going to leave it going. And during this drink bake, well, we're grabbing drinks here. Listen to this commercial for a minute. Perfect. Hey, folks, guess what? The Detroit Women of Comedy Fest is back, baby. We're going to be streaming across Planet Ants channels on June 4th and June 5th. That's their Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You get it. There's going to be so much funny stuff. We're talking sketch, stand-up, podcasts, live stream, workshops, special guests. Head over to DetroitWomenOfComedy.com to find out how you can join the fun. Yeah. Well, now I want to join the fun of the Detroit Women at Comedy Festival. Well, you can. June 4th and 5th. Ah, so excited. Yes. Uh, No, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll be there digitally, but there. Yes. (laughs) I will be there on the 5th. So what'd you do during your break? I grabbed a Michelob Ultra Spicy Pineapple Hashtag Not Sponsored Seltzer. Hashtag, but could be. 
Yeah. Well, let's taste the material first. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we would never support something we don't yeah. actually enjoy. So I'm going to take this first sip to get a live reaction that Please nobody do. cares about except for me. It tastes like pineapple. I'm not but, really getting any spice. Oh, that's always a... I don't love it when things say they're spicy and there's nothing. It's like fine. It kind of just tastes like slightly slightly past prime pineapple. <laughs> that's always uh, the thing with, I feel like, a lot of the interesting flavored seltzers. They're so hit or miss. There's a few out there that I'm like, oh, they hit the markets really good. But a lot of them are just like... I don't need that again. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not throwing it out, but I don't. I did like the cucumber lime it. flavor of this one. Ooh, I like cucumber lime together. I have cucumber lime water right now. Nope, Ooh. that's a lie. I have cucumber mint water. Very different flavor. Different flavor. Still got a cucumber, though. Mm -hmm. I have blackberry lime seltzer, though, which is what I got on the break. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Since we were going there. Yeah. Yeah. But now that we... Are broke broken? Break break it broken. We're back from break. Yes. Uh we have returned. We have. We and have prepared and ready for a story. Okay, fantastic. So I'm gonna ask you, have you ever heard of a man named Patty McGraw, aka Patrick J. McGraw? I've heard of Tim McGraw, they related. I don't believe so, but I did not look into that family tree. Okay. Well, no, I have not heard of Pat McGraw. Patty McGraw? Patty McGraw. Patty McGraw. D -D -D -Y. Patty, like a rice patty, right? No, no, because isn't that P A T T I E? This is P A D D Y. I... Okay. Like an like a Irish. Like Irish, yeah. Irish. Nickname things. for Patrick. <laughs> Patty. Patty, yeah. Patty. So he. He was a very versatile man. Uh, he was a zookeeper, brothel proprietor, fiddle player, philanthropist, fighter, politician, baseball team owner, and drinker. Okay. I mean, that's well-rounded in my books. Yeah. So he was born in 1876. I don't know the location, though, because there's not a lot about his life before he arrived in actually Hamtramck, Michigan, right at the Hamtramck-Detroit border is where he spent a large majority of his life. Okay. And this was sometime in the 1900s. The record, I couldn't find any like substantial information yeah. to say when. Saw a couple different things, saw things that didn't make sense. So, and he might have served in the Navy at some point, might have learned fighting there. I don't know. So, during this time, though, in Hamtramck, he established himself as a figure in Republican politics. Okay. Starting as an alderman, then a clerk in the first precinct of the seventh ward. Okay. But he also established a saloon and brothel on the Hamtramck Detroit border at Clay Street in St. Aubin, which when I looked it up is kind of by the Russell Industrial Center. So anybody who's ever driven down the freeway and seen that off of it, that area over there. I've driven on the freeway and have seen that. Then you know exactly where that is. I do. <laughs> and this is actually the perfect spot because it was where the Grand Trunk Railroad had a very busy spot that would bring in people from all over the country. So okay. many customers for both services. And some records state that his brothel was actually the largest in the Midwest at the time. Good for him. Yeah. Patty's employed up to 36 women per shift. And I'm not sure if that means overall or just on the brothel side of things, because there were also a lot of women working like in the saloon part itself as well. Yeah. And he maximized profits by creating a very fast turnover rate of customers. One goes out, one comes in. Okay. Yeah. Efficient. Somewhere it actually, this was so gross, but somewhere it compared it to the assembly line. Mm. And I was like, and it also compared, they were like, and just like Ford's, because it was around the same time period, just like Ford's assembly line, except Ford wouldn't have liked this. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So a little bit, are you familiar with the ward system? I did mention that he was... In the seventh ward. I'm not. Okay. It's a term I've heard before, and but I don't have a deep understanding of, but I did look it up a little bit. In the ward system, which was set in place to start, or it started to kind of change as the city grew and changed demographically. And under the system, it was basically the selection of members of the city council were determined by ward, 
okay. in district. So each ward was broken up into smaller districts. This allowed individual council members to represent their home turf. Home turf. Okay. The system ensured that local problems had somebody that could be held responsible, which also means those in charge could be very easily uh, could very easily swing a vote and basically modify the outcome to their okay. liking. By 1917, though, Detroit had 21 wards with two represent- representatives, aldermen, for each one. And basically, they were, when it came time to vote and things like that, they were kind of in charge of watching the counts for the votes and being present for that. Uh-huh. And it, this system, just to give a brief history of the system, after 94 years, it was abolished November 5th of 1919. Okay. Uh, but the system, while it was alive, was pretty much corrupt. And as well as swaying people to vote one way or another, they could also easily change the votes okay. or cast votes for those who are not living. Sounds like some election fraud. Mm-hmm. Or convince, Real election fraud. Yes. Or convince people who are more transient in nature to um, put their permanent place of living within their ward. Okay. Like, Oh, say a saloon. Okay. Obviously, they would often do uh, choose their favorite watering hole and cast their votes towards that ward. Uh-huh. So McGraw was also, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but he was a chatty man, chatted uh-huh. up everybody, talked to everybody, and he basically had his pick of who to influence as he saw tons of people coming in and out of his saloon daily. Yeah. And could provide a residence without providing yeah. a residence so like an address just here's an address you could say you live at and then vote for this guy because that's who i'm saying right so a few facts though about the saloon and brothel and mind you some of this is during prohibition i don't have years for a lot of chunks of this but some of this is pre-prohibition some of this is during prohibition uh-huh. uh which i didn't write this number down but during prohibition like the number of bars in detroit went from like I don't know, it was like two or 3,000 to like 15,000. So yeah. <laughs> Prohibition did not stop drinking whatsoever. It actually kind of raised it. Oh, yeah. And at Patty's, one could go there any time of day. The building was two stories and again stood at the intersection of Clay Street and St. Aubin Street. Okay. Depending where you were standing in, within the place, you could be in Detroit or Hamtramck, which is interesting because there's different laws in Detroit and Hamtramck. Interesting. He also had the support of other saloon keepers and fixers in the area, uh, other saloon order, saloon owners and things like that, too, when it came to the voting. So this was like a very communal thing, Yeah, I guess we'll say. And with the city expanding, there was large amounts of voter fraud being suspected. And this led to an interesting election in the year of 1905, specifically in a few precincts, McGraw's included in those. He was called to fill in for a clerk of another precinct, the first precinct of the 11th Ward. Okay. So over half the ballots were recorded to have favored the Republican candidate. But if you actually looked at the ballots themselves, it indicated that that wasn't true and the Democratic candidate had more votes. Sounds about right. See, the way that they would do it is when on Election Day, McGraw had served as the quote-unquote caller. His job was basically to hold up the ballot Shout out the voter's name and who they voted for to the other two clerks who would then record it. Sounds like a good system. Couldn't mm-hmm. see anything going wrong there. No. He was used to working with the clerks in his district who would then remark the ballots to the way he called them. And the clerks in the 11th weren't following that practice. They were like, nah. They didn't get the memo. They didn't get the memo. And then McGraw insisted that he hadn't been there the entire day, though, counting as he stopped out, stepped out for lunch. So it wasn't yeah. his fault. Wasn't his fault. The miscount. Couldn't possibly. No. And when it t- came time to go to court to explain the discrepancies, he ended up just taking a little vacay down to Ohio for a few days. I mean, that sounds like an awful vacation. I know. I know. I agree. But an investigation continued. But it didn't hurt his reputation whatsoever. And he continued to serve in the 11th until uh, 11th. 11th district in the ward. Yes. He continued to serve in the 11th until the ward system was abolished. That's what I was trying to say. Gotcha. You know, 
politics are so great. Yeah, lovely. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, though, people really loved McGraw. And it's really interesting. I kept like bouncing around on my opinion of him. Uh Uh-huh. Because some things are good and some things just are so terrible. Yeah. Well, good is a stretch, but some things aren't terrible and kind of good. And then some things are so terrible. Yeah. So people love McGraw. He hosted lavish outings for prominent politicians and city officials. Shocking. And visitors were greeted personally by him and his very charismatic, kind of outgoing, charming, friendly disposition. Uh And he would often break out his fiddle to keep the party going. Usually playing an Irish jig. Oh, a good old Irish jig. Yes. So it's like we're at we're at Patty McGraw's right now. Where's my soup? I heard this was a brothel. <laughs> so Patty's also though, it was actually not a bad spot for kids, uh in some respects. Behind you see, behind the establishment he kept a zoo. And when I say zoo, I mean a zoo. There were bears, monkeys, rabbits, big cats, and of course, a large amount of stray cats and dogs. All in the Hamtramck Detroit border? Yep. Were they just like chained up or just like... I don't have any information about how they were kept. I think the stray cats and dogs, I'm assuming, no. I think they were just in the yard. I'm imagining personally cages for the other animals. That makes sense. I mean, just look at the Animal Crackers box. It says it all. Yeah, and maybe that's where I'm getting it from. I'm getting my information from the Animal Crackers box, actually. That's in my yes. sources. <laughs> Citing the source, Animal yeah. Crackers. Yes. <laughs> so he was also he was also a key player in establishing what was known as the Goodfellows Old Newsboys Fund, which uh, sounds like they do something very awful, right? Just, yeah, like... What is good boys, old fellas kind of thing? Like, no. Yeah. I don't want any of the good boys. I don't want any old fellas. No. No. But I have news. This sounds like it would have gotten debunked a long time ago. Is it still going? Still in operation today, but now they're just the Detroit good fellows. Okay. They at least realized their name was bullshit, garbage, trash. I didn't go too deep into this. I did go to their website just to see what their mission statement was. And basically they have about 300. This is today. They have about 300 members whose only mission is to ensure that there is no kitty without Christmas. Okay. So it's a very nice mission. That was the mission that started back in the day too. It was just to get kids stuff for Christmas. I know nothing more beyond that. In, In that time, I think it was only men running it, which is always interesting when there's a sex based thing yeah but basically every holiday season right now they distribute about thirty thousand gift boxes to children age four to 13 in detroit highland park river rouge hamtramck carper woods and e-course okay and each recipient receives clothing socks underwear toys books games and a dental kit amongst other things okay so as an establishing member though back in the day patty would spend every christmas eve and christmas day loading up and uh the presents and food to be delivered door to door one year, he spent all night delivering almost 2,000 packages. Oh. Yeah. So, again, we're going to go up and down with him. We're going to yeah. go up and down with him. <laughs> this also led him to being prominent in many city parades, usually dressing as Uncle Sam and throwing candy to the crowd. Uh, I hate when they throw candy at parades. It hurts. And, like, it's also just like, do you really want these kids picking candy off the street? Like... Yeah, it's pretty gross. I guess I just don't like being pelted with things. Like all around, no. Just like, don't throw things at me. No, no. I'm not good at catching. I've proved it many times. And let's not even get started about that litter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Not good. No. <laughs> so another reason he was really liked is he was also known as a bit of a hero. Okay. Around the same time that he was fixing all the votes and doing all that, he also managed to miraculously rescue a number of people from drowning at least a dozen times. This makes me think that he caused the drownings and then rescued them so he would look like a hero. Am I on the right track? I'm going to say partially yes, partially no, but I have no like actual solution. Just Okay. Yes, I have a little bit of info, but no outcome. Yeah. 
So he had a summer home on Harsons Island, which is in the St. Clair Flats, which is where the river, the St. Clair River meets St. Clair, Lake St. Clair. And mostly this area was used for by day trippers and people on vacations. And there wasn't really much there other than nature and like a lot of fishing and hunting and things like that available. Yeah. However, due to it being situated between the lake and the river, there's some really, really rough currents around the island that people Uh kind of don't expect. There's also like tall grass, so you don't necessarily always see it. Yeah. And with that and with so many people coming to and from the island, they weren't familiar with it. And so this could often turn very tragic. Oh, no. On July 15th, 1911, Patty pulled a young Henry Robinson from the river at the flats. And at the time, the Detroit Free Press reported on it, and it said that he had saved at least one person a year from drowning over the past six years. Okay. About five weeks after this, McGraw was standing at the Belle Isle boat dock on the Detroit River and spotted a young man struggling against the current there. He quickly jumped in the water, fully clothed, still had his shoes on, to save the young man. He swam him over to the docks, and bystanders helped pull the young man out to safety. This was his ninth recorded rescue. I'm not saying this is suspicious, but I was a lifeguard for seven years and did one rescue. I know, I know. And then he was nominated for a Carnegie Hero Fund Commission in 1912. Okay. By, by friends and admirers for his heroic acts. Mm-hmm. This is basically an award given to individuals in U.S. and Canada who risk their lives to save or attempt to save the lives of others. And yeah. it actually still operates today. I think it said like uh, four times a year they give one out. Oh, interesting. And it was started in 1904 by Andrew Carnegie. And recipients receive a the Carnegie Medal. And they or their survivors are then eligible for financial considerations like grants, scholarships, death benefits, and other assistance. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, in the end, the award got granted to somebody else. The foundation, though, they did actually do their research. They sent a private investigator in town to check out his heroics. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do not know what the private investigator found Uh. that made somebody else the recipient. I know. I... Dying to know, because there has to be something. Carnegie, if you're listening, send that Mm -hmm. notes. Send those notes. Mm -hmm. But Patty did not give up. He just kept saving lives. (laughs) Because he's a great guy. Yep. Just always near the water when someone's drowning. This one, this one, this one I have a little bit more. As late as 1923, he and some friends staged the dramatic rescue of a boating party on the flats saving five after a pleasure boat overturned. Two of the five needed needed mouth-to-mouth to survive, which McGraw performed for 25 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just, uh... Mm -hmm. So, I think, I'm thinking like you, like, maybe once it happened and he probably got that, like, ooh, hero, you know, feeling. And then, but also, it was a bit easier to, well, make things up as is obvious by all the voting shit going on then. I have my suspicions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, we're going to move on because he's a man of many trades. That is just one of them. Work. He would also come to public notice when he owned a semi-professional baseball team called the McGraw Tigers. Okay. They were known for being quite rowdy, but also won a lot of their games. Or in old time terms, they were, quote, a baseball hug approaching the padded cell degree. Okay. Wild. Wild. Yeah. Patty had been a baseball man from the earliest of Detroit sports that he had seen. His team, however, was not linked to the professional team whatsoever of the same name. But he did go to their games often. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Many times he would actually load up his wagons at his saloon with his players and local dignitaries and take them to watch the pros play while whining and dining them both before and after the games. Okay. The McGraw Tigers played for about 10 years, and in 1910 they had a really great season. And Patty built a new smart diamond and stands for their game and hosted matches against either amateur leagues as well as teams from the Negro League. Callback. Hey. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was Detroit Stars, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they did play the Detroit Stars at some point. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any more information that, though. 
So owning a team wasn't only something to make him happy, though. It also proved to be great for business. See, his field and saloon were right next to each other, and it was a great weekend hangout for many. And in a time before Prohibition, it was specifically useful as Detroit didn't allow for drinking on Sundays and Hamtramck did. Okay. So it was also miraculously free for riders to take the 14th Avenue streetcar line on Sundays directly to Patty's. Okay. And specifically. Very good for business. Yes. So basically, spectators could go to the game on the Detroit side of town, but slide out through a back gate in an alley and visit the saloon. Once in the saloon, they would find down the center of the largest room a large canvas curtain. One side was the Detroit zoned cigar case where tables were closed, but the other had room on the Hamtramck side for 75 guests, which obviously accommodate almost double that on Sundays. Yeah. I think that's so funny. I love that they just had a curtain. Like, yeah. Don't just, cross the line. Right. Just, just stay on the side. Stay on the side of the curtain. <laughs> It reminds, have you ever seen the movie Robin Hood Men in Tights? I have. With Okay, so uh, Dave Chappelle plays one of like the merry men. And then for some reason, he and Robin are trying to cross a river. And l- the character Little John stands there and he's like, I-, I have to give you a riddle. I don't know about crossing. But the yeah. river is like just a little trickle. Yeah. Like, but it is like a division across land or whatever. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from that movie is Dave Chappelle standing on one bank and then jumping to the other, like it's like a foot, like it's nothing. Yeah. And going, I'm on one side, now I'm on the other. <laughs> I'm on the east bank, I'm on the west bank. And he just keeps going back and forth, like talking about both sides. That's yeah. what this like curtain reminds me of. <laughs> like, oh, yes, absolutely. And I adore it. <laughs> so it was very busy in those days. And out front, there was, of course, like ice cream vendors for the children and the women. And out back, one could find many brawls, men passed out in chairs, and the working ladies escorting men's to, men to the room upstairs, as well as that zoo. Okay. So just like kind of like a, a lot of stuff going on. Everything going on. Yeah. Uh, inside, you could also find brawling, though, and a lot of men gambling away their money. There was a 25-foot bar and it hosted the likes of many well-groomed and dressed men from the city. Basically, it was a haven for criminals of all walks of life. Oh, of course. Also, when you said 20 foot, 20 foot, 25 foot bar, I like that's a tall bar. I'm like, nope. Other way. Nope. Other way. (laughs) Who can sit at that? A giant? Right. I need need to plant a bean to get up that beanstalk to that bar. It's two floors above me. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Uh,. Fun things. Uh, And so now a few stories about how Patty wouldn't and couldn't be messed with. In 1915, a man named Albert Hall. uh, Oh, I wrote entreated and I meant entered. Okay. A man named Albert Hall entered his home on Joseph Campo Street and found two burglars doing what they do. So he chased them. Burglin. Burglin all night long. All night long. Got a burglar. He tracked one of them all the way to McGraw's, where the thief was sitting calmly, drinking a beer and chatting with Patty himself. Uh-huh. So Hall then waited, uh, went to the police station and brought reinforcements to r- arrest the man. When they arrived, Patty was belligerent, and he was actually hauled off and eventually went to court. Charges uh-huh. against him were dropped, however, because no witnesses would come forward on Hall's behalf. So, oh, suspicious. That's us. Yeah. Uh, another is the story of Tommy Tehan, quote unquote, jail champ of Greater Detroit. Okay. He was a regular patron at Patty's. He racked up over 100 arrests and 94 convictions, which Damn, is a lot of crime. That is. You think after like the like the first 10, they would be like, okay, we just got to put you somewhere where you can't do mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I think it's because most of it was kind of like more petty. For The only things listed were public intoxication and indecent exposure. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, indecent exposure has such a wide range of, I mean, if he was just peeing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, when he was arrested on the 111th time, he was found passed out in an alley with an expensive Airedale terrier tied to his leg. Just like a dog? 
just like a, an expensive dog. A fancy dog. dog. Fancy dog. That poor fancy dog. <laughs> he told the judge that he was hoping uh, the police would take pity on him since he had the dog and not arrest him. But wasn't, I'm guessing it wasn't his dog. Well, at first he compl- he claimed he had purchased the dog, but later admitted it had been a gift from Patty. Aww. So he he and the dog were released into Patty's care. Okay. So got a little sway there from Patty. Yeah. I don't know why he he really liked uh, Jail Champ so much, but he did. Just admired the hustle. He did. Uh, another instance happened during a very heated 1908 election. When one of McGraw's bartenders saw a suspicious man lurking and asking everyone questions about who was in residence on voting day. Okay. McGraw found him, found the man, and soon left the man quivering and shaking, as well as giving up the notes he had taken. Damn. Yeah. Patty was not going to be satisfied by merely kicking him out, though. He grabbed him by the shirt and took him to a telephone and forced him to call his boss, who happened to be a lawyer working for one of McGraw's political rivals. McGraw then told the lawyer to stop sending spies and said if they wanted information, they should just ask. He'd give it to them for free. Interesting. Basically, you're not going to find out anything I don't want you to know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, During Prohibition, McGraw was hosting a party of usual attendees. Three in the crowd were Wayne County Sheriff's officers, and they were there to scope out the joint for a future raid. Prohibition that happened often. Yeah. Upon leaving, they found themselves face to face with a pair of Hamtramck police officers, though. So naturally, a fight started. In the end, the Hamtramck officers would arrest and cuff the Wayne County officers and take them to jail. That didn't go over too well, though, with the Wayne County sheriff, who was outraged and wanted retribution. Okay. I don't think he got it. No, probably not. No. Uh, so now a little bit, again, this bounces around a lot just because the sources did, and it didn't make sense to, to put this one in timeline order. So we are going to go back a little bit uh-huh. and talk a little bit about Patty's personal life, kind of what's going on during all this. What's he up to? Yes. The man so behind he, the everything. Yes. Behind the zoo. Yes. Uh, he was married in 1894 to one of the working girls at his saloon named Sophia. Okay. She continued to help out after the marriage with like the housekeeping, running the bar. But what she truly hated helping with was taking care of the ever growing pack of stray dogs and cats and exotic animals. For sure. Mm-hmm. And the final nail in the coffin for her was basically when she was bit on the shoulder by one of the monkeys, leaving a large scar. I'd be pissed about that. Yep. So in 1922, she sued him for divorce, citing being overworked and neglected. Yeah. She would sit by and watch him entangle himself with other women while she basically did all the shitty jobs. Yeah, I would be like, uh, no. Yeah. Needless to say, the court granted her the divorce. But Patty gave no fucks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He really didn't care because soon after and actually for years before, probably during their marriage, he started keeping the company of a woman named Minnie Yago. And she was another slim girl. All one murder, Mini Yago. Mini Yago. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a good question. It's very hard to space that correctly. Yeah, no, that's yeah. why I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And she was another saloon girl who occasionally would moonlight in the brothel. Okay. And Patty and Minnie would be together for almost 25 years, roughly. Mm-hmm. Minnie had actually saved up a lot of money, too, and owned a mansion on Fisher Street, which Patty moved into, declaring himself her common-law husband. I mean, I love that she got that house. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But he called her, or called himself her common-law husband, despite despite still being married to Sophia. Damn. Yeah, and I got, (laughs) I'm not sure the exact years. I had to, like, reread things a few times to kind of... Make sure, but yeah. So Minnie and Patty could be seen around town as well as at Patty's and the summer state on Harsons Island all the time together. They were seemingly happy, but their relationship was actually a little bit turbulent to say the least. They were known to both verbally and physically fight often. And around Christmas of 1923, 
Minnie passed away and Patty was absolutely destroyed. Oh. But Minnie's sister, Emma Menig, M-E-N-I-G, was even more destroyed than Patty because Patty continued living in Minnie's house and he was helping himself to her savings. Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. And officially, Minnie's death had been ruled a heart attack, but Emma was certain she had either been beaten to death or poisoned. Uh Uh-huh. She demanded Patty move out of the house and hand over the keys and sued for Minnie's body to be exhumed and examined. Did she get it? Well, part of her suit alleged that Minnie had told a gentleman friend days before her death how Patty was beating her and she was afraid for her life, but she loved Patty and he had promised to marry her one day, so she was staying. Mm. Unfortunate. She did win in the fact that like her body, uh, Minnie's body was exhumed. Okay. The coroner examined the body and determined that she did, however, die of natural causes with no mysterious or unusual marks on her body. Okay. I don't. I mean, it was like early 1900 science, so. It was. And I mean, who knows who. Oh, yeah. Who did the yeah, autopsy, you know? He had yeah, exactly. So and I, again, there wasn't like a ton of information about it, so I can't really give one way yeah. or another. My gut doesn't feel great about it. but No, not at all. Yeah. So during all this, or after that, actually, what do you think Patty did? Because he's probably kind of annoyed right now. He, did he go after the sister? Did he burn he down did. the house? He didn't burn down the house, but he did end up suing the Menning, so uh, Emma and her husband, for defamation at a total of $50,000, citing, quote, great mental anguish. Okay. Yes. So this went on for about two years. And afterwards, when it was coming to a close, Emma claimed that McGraw, basically Emma claimed that McGraw had squandered away most of her sister's savings. And he had, previous to her sister's death, been controlling her accounts and would only allow Minnie a meager amount after bagging. That's, fuck that. Mm -hmm. And McGraw stated that he had uh, put down the down payment for the Fisher house and paid the mortgage and bills. So. Yeah. Both groups finally landed on a settlement where McGraw withdrew his lawsuit and he received $750 of Minnie's $12,500 estate. So in she today's was a terms, little saver. I love that for her. She was, yeah. And uh, in today's terms, that would be like $12,000 to an almost $400,000 estate, roughly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, he actually didn't care about the money. He didn't need it. He just cared about right. his reputation. Yeah. He didn't want to be known as the man who had beaten Minnie to death. Not good for any of his positions. No. So that's kind of what it came down to. So when Prohibition ended in December of 1933, one would think it'd be a good time for a saloon. Okay. However, there, like we mentioned, a lot of bars had opened up in that time. So there's more competition. And this was actually really bad for patties because during Prohibition, there was a lot of space for like kind of rowdy, unruly bar crowds. Yeah, it was just all unregulated. Yes, but also it was kind of the rise of the cocktail. Yeah. And so like right after Prohibition, it basically was cocktail culture. And that never really took off at Patty's. I can imagine. It was more of like a a whiskey and a beer bar. Yeah. So he would close up shop later that year and ended up retiring in his summer home on Harsons Island. But that didn't mean he nicely settled into a nice, quiet retirement. Of course not. No, it just meant he brought the raucous party with him. Nice so, word. Nice use of raucous. Thank you. I didn't even steal that from the book. Love it. <laughs> it was my You'd word. You love a good vocab word. I had to double check how to spell it because there's two U's. And I was like, I think there's two U's. Not next to each other though, right? No, 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 Okay. No. It's R-A-U-C-O-U-S. Raucous. Okay. And <laughs> thank you though. No. I feel good. I love when a, a word is like, you know, I just love having like the good words for mm-hmm. like, yeah, so appreciate it. Thank you. And so he continued to drink hard, play hard until the end. On June 28th of 1936, he was up late drinking with some friends at his cottage. And among some was a man named William Time and his housekeeper. And it's in quotations. That's from the book Housekeeper, Jack Gillis, yeah. who lived next door. So I'm not sure what that actually means, but just some person who lived next door to him. I'm guessing like crony or lackey. Yeah. And Gillis was so drunk when he arrived, he could barely stand already. 
witnesses, there were other witnesses, I don't have their names or anything, but they recall, th- their recall of the evening uh, was a little hazy. Uh-huh. And an investigation did follow this evening, and I'll get to what actually happened in a, se- in a second, uh, and determined that the following is close to what happened. McGraw had decided in the middle of this gathering to do some late night repairs and stood on a chair to fix a light bulb above their heads. Uh-huh. Gillis and McGraw grew very belligerent and started a fight. Gillis pushed McGraw from his chair and then grabbed the chair and swung it at McGraw, hitting him in his abdomen. McGraw hit the floor, never to get back up again. Yeah, it's really not a place to do it by chairs. It's going to, you no. know, not leave a mark. He's already been pushed off of it. And like, who knows what else? Yeah. Because everybody was super drunk, it sounds like. Yeah. And basically, once everyone had sobered up in the morning, they realized uh, and that he had passed and an investigation began. Yeah. And the new, the now sober witnesses started to recall that McGraw may have hit Gillis first and started the fight. Okay. Which I'm like, yeah, did he? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? And in the end, his death was ruled as a natural death as it was determined through examination that he also had extensive heart disease as a result of his very hard and very fast life. As expected. So Gillis was never charged with anything. Yeah. Yeah. So Patty McGraw would finally rest at the age of 60. And his former saloon and brothel sat and decayed for many years before being torn down in 1981 as part of the GM Pole Town plant debacle, which is basically when a whole section right there kind of of like mostly like neighborhoods basically got demolished and a few plants got put Yeah, up. yeah. And that is the story of Patty McGraw. <laughs> what a whirlwind of a story. Mm-hmm. Had a little bit of everything. And I got it from, actually, you'll recognize this sort of, I got, can you see it? Wicked Detroit. Yes, I got it from the book Wicked Detroit by Mickey Lyons, which I believe you have the Wicked Women of Detroit. the ladies version, Wicked yes. Women of Detroit by Tobin T. Book. Which I'm not going to lie, the men are a little bit more predictable in this one. <laughs> like every time As you expected. tell a story from that book, I'm like, what just happened? And there's other stories in this one, too. And I've read a couple of them. And yeah. sometimes I'm just like, oh, no. Of course, no. some old white man did this. Yes. And it's very frustrating. But Patty was kind of a, a bit more interesting to me. So Yeah, he, he had a zoo. He did have a zoo. I also have a few more sources I want to throw in. Okay. Uh, I used an article called Fiddles, Phillies, and Goodfellows, Patty McGraw by Mickey Lyons. Oh. Also by Mickey Lyons. <laughs> Mickey Lyons. From ProhibitionDetroit.com. I also took a peek at the DetroitGoodfellows.org page. Uh, article called Pole Town Becomes Just a Memory from the LA Times by James Risen. Uh-huh. A Metro Times article called Detroit's Old Ward System 95 Years Later by Michael Jackman. Uh, and then CarnegieHero.org. Nice. Yes. Well, that was a fabulous story. I mean, it had its ups and downs, but... Like I said, I don't know how I feel about him whatsoever. I mean, I don't think I love him. No, not at all. Uh, for Just sure. like an interesting person. Like, a, what, quite a... He was a character, you know? He was a he, character, as they would say. He's a bit of a character. Yeah. Oh, that Patty. Oh, Patty. Well. Yes. I have a question for you now. Okay. Being, are you ready for some two truths and a lie? I am. I was born ready. Yes, that's what I like Wait. to hear. Patty playing us into two truths. Yes, this is very dangerous for me to have this soundboard up here now. I love it. Me too. Okay, getting towards the end. There we go. Okay. So this comes from mental floss because we love mental floss. Former Olympic sports is the category this week. Oh, interesting. So I have three sports or three mm-hmm. uh, three events, I will say, because once I read them, you'll be like, sports is a strong word. Like, I know I'm not a sports person, but I know sports is a strong word for some of these. Love it. So here Bring we go. And the foosball. Number one, clay pigeon shooting. Number two, croquet. 
And number three, solo synchronized swimming. Oh, you God, heard me correctly. I know all of those. I can see all of those being considered a thing that the synchronized swimming one solo is. No, I've been to a competition of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When I was a teacher, I went and supported a student. I'm going to not say that one because it's so strange. I'm going to go with croquet. That is actually true. Dang it, it. only happened once at the 1900 Paris Games. Uh, it was, like, on the upside, it was nice because it allowed some of the first women to compete in the Olympics. Okay. But unfortunately, the event was kind of a flop because there were only 10 competitors and they were all French. And there was just a, one spectator, just some one English dude watching them all. Oh. So croquet did not uh, <sighs> pop off. Bummer. Every yeah. time I think of croquet, by the way, I think of uh, the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon playing oh, with a flamingo. <laughs> I think of the Heathers. Oh, that okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I just yeah. watched that recently too. I should have. I should have thought of the Heather's, but no, that flamingo going oh, for yeah. it is. I can totally picture it burned in my head. Okay, I mean, I'm gonna go with the clay shooting. That is correct. That is the false one because it was actually live pigeon shooting. Oh God, no. So it, yeah, so it only happened once, again, at the 1900 Paris Games. Rules were you get a point if the bird landed in the fenced ring. So I guess like they had the bird in like a cage in a fenced ring, and you had to shoot mm-hmm. it and have it land back in the, like, the areas. I guess that was just, like meant you shot it quick, so it landed back kind of where it was released from. I'm imagining like a large target on the ground, like cartoon style, like, like yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Looney Tunes style or something. Where it just Oh, totally. So that's how you would earn a point. Uh, you were eliminated if you missed two birds in a row. And the prize was about like $120,000 in today's money. Wow. Which I think was like 20,000 francs at the time because francs were still a thing. Oh, yeah. I used to have some francs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good old Frank's Frank. hot sauce. No, I'm just kidding. Hey. Um, some honorable mentions just because mm-hmm. the Olympics yeah. were wild and throughout their history. So, so solo synchronized swimming was true. It only happened at three games in 84, 88, 92. And it's wow. basically just like there's one person doing the synchronized swap, but they're just synchronized with the music instead of like with another person, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like I went, water lip syncing. I went to a competition. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I like I picked this one because I'm like, this one's so weird. I have to. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, I've yeah. seen that. <laughs> um. But back yes. to club swinging, it happened just once at the thirty like nineteen thirty two Summer Olympics in L.A. Mm-hmm. It only had four participants, all male, and they basically just like swung a bowling pin like club around their head in intricate ways, and that was the competition. Did it? Were they supposed to like dislatch on latch it? Like, did they throw it or just? It sounds like they were just like like, like a helicopter. <laughs> I guess I'm like it only happened once, so I can't imagine people were into it. No, it's just such a weird like idea. That is bizarre. Uh, tug of war. Oh, sorry. I was going to say we should start a new Olympic, uh, <laughs> new Olympic competition. What? If anybody has any ideas, let us yes. know. What we need to a champion for or <laughs> yes, petition for them to add. Like limbo or competitive hot sco- hopscotch, uh, mall walking. Yes. Oh my god, Olympic level mall walking. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, so tug of war was one that happened. It happened for quite a few years. Every Olympics between 1900 and 1920, uh, countries could enter multiple teams, and there is a tug of war international federation that is trying to convince the IOC to let them back in the Olympics. Oh. Have not succeeded so far. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, rope climbing. Like, you know, the old gym class kind of rope. Yep. So uncomfortable. I don't know why they make you do that. Especially like Mm-mm. for me, it was elementary school. Like what fucking elementary oh, school yeah. is about to like try and climb this rope right now. With the like asbestos like type ceiling crumbling down on your face. That well, Oh, yeah. I was going to say the whole time you're going up. I meant the whole time I stood on the bottom knot and did not go anywhere. <laughs> same. Same. 
scrunch my body up and I'm like, does this count? That you know what they're probably trying to find the next Olympic rope climber. So it only happened. Um, it happened a few times, but it was one of the eight games in the first modern Olympics in 1896 in Athens. Like modern being the first, like they brought it back from ancient times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rope was 46 feet long, and competitors could only use their hands to climb. So they only they could only rely on the upper body strength, which is no. bizarre. <laughs> and. It happened a few more times that the rope got shorter, being somewhere between 22 or 26 and 33 feet. Okay. Still too many. Obstacle swimming was another event uh, because the 1900 Paris games were wildin', as they say. Competitors had to swim in the Seine and climb over a pole and then climb over a row of boats and then swim under another row of boats. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. An Australian one, which surprises me not at all. (laughs) And just one more Paris you need to stop from the 1900 games was the horse long jump. Were the horses jumping or the people? People on the horses jumping. Okay. Okay. So it only happened once and the winner jumped 20 feet on his horse. But meanwhile, the human in the human contest, the winner went like over a meter past that. So. Just so you know, horses cannot jump as long as people. Interesting. Yeah. I get I mean they've got more to like care, you know what I mean? Like they got there's more oomph to a horse. They're not mm-hmm. meant for uh they're not aerodynamic. They're not meant to no. fly throughout the air. No, and they're like muscular, but they're also like their legs are teeny. They're like dense. the bottoms. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some fun Olympic sports that we will probably never see again. Hopefully. Uh, I love that for two truths and a lie. <laughs> yes, I saw it and I'm like, well, I have to do this. The other one Clearly. I was between was um like ravishing raven facts. All about the birds. They're kind of cool. I know. I was like, it was a real toss up. And I was like, I got to go with the Olympics. I mean, yeah, yeah. You you chose well. I mean, I think either would have been fantastic. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. But like you chose well. Good Thank job. you. <laughs> Thank you. That was fun. Good. I think that wraps us then. I feel I feel pretty wrapped. Uh, what do we feel wrapped like? Uh, wrapped like, like a piece of candy thrown at a child at a picnic. Or not picnic, a parade. parade. There we go. Chucked at their little old head. Yes. We are that jolly rancher that is now sitting in the street. Mm-hmm. Because we are wrapped and done. <laughs> and carried home by a rat to the sewers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, if you want to find us on our social medias and not in the sewers, you can look uh, at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address of DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And seriously, we'd love to hear if you got a yeah. story or a suggestion or just want to say, hey, we love it all. Exactly. And if Slide you... to them DNABs if you want to, too. Mm-hmm. Get and, us. you know, we want to ask you to do all the things all the podcast has you to do. Subscribe, oh, yeah. rate, review. It's a free way to help the show, you know, from it's great and we appreciate that support so much yeah Uh, if you want to support in other ways though we do have a patreon you can go look up detroit strange or you can go to detroitstrange.threadless.com for some merch some sick merch Mm -hmm. i'm wearing shirt (laughs) right now sick oh you are the little baseball one my uh, chiropractor asked about it and i was like it's a podcast it's pretty cool did i tell you a couple weeks ago i i had an amazon return they do that at whole foods now yeah, so, you mentioned that That's the yes. girl was like asking you, you're like, do you listen? It was very, I mean, like she was very, very sweet. Yeah. I don't think I said it on air, so I'm just going to say it really quick. But I was yeah. wearing my sweatshirt and this girl, the cashier, she yeah. was very heavily studying it to a point where I could tell she was actually reading the words on it. Yeah. And then she looked at me and goes, I really like your shirt. And I was like, thank you. And then the whole time I was like, do you just like large eyeballs or do do you listen? I don't know if I should, I don't know how to interact. So like or yeah. be social and she was very nice and then continued to talk about everything that I was buying. Yeah. Uh, I kind of loved her. She had a very sweet energy, but love that. Uh, if you do listen, hello cashier at Whole Foods. And if not, you'll never know. <laughs> yes. My carpenter was like, Oh, third eye, third eye blind. Is that what that is? I'm like, you're no. like, no, nope. <laughs> I mean, they got some bops, but that's not what I'm repping. 
Oh, also, I don't think they ever used an I in their logo, but I don't recall. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Mm-mm, me either. Wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. And that's all they got. Yeah. But I think. Until next time. Stay, stay strange. strange. I knew the battle was coming after the strange. Not mad about it, though. I won't do it every time, I promise. No, you you rock that soundboard. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.